Hi, welcome to Conversations with Bob and Sherry. Well, obviously, I'm Sherry, and Happy New Year. We took a, a week off, but here we are back again. It was very difficult not to talk about things while we're off because we witnessed uh, a chaos in the uh, Republican Party as far as you know, selecting the speaker, Kevin McCarthy. Eventually, after 15th round, he became the speaker. We're going to talk about that today. We're definitely going to talk about the border. Um, you know, President Biden is in Mexico right now. Hopefully, we'll solve some kind of problems. But we let's talk about the visit he had in El Paso. Of course, just today, breaking that there's classified document found in his private office at University of Pittsburgh. And it's um, while he was a vice president, and and just so people know, the vice president do not have the power to declassify. So those, Ooh. yeah, those documents <laughs> are marked with highly sensitive markings on it. And of course, Hillary Clinton um, expressed her um, concern to Donald Trump. We knew what happened there, and then. How can we go another show without talking about Harry and Meghan again? <laughs> I could. <laughs> but sure. that's okay. We'll talk about them. We'll yeah. Talk. So before we start, Bob, what is your new, what you do, do you have any New Year resolutions? Nope. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Yeah, me either. I, I, you know what? I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's a new year and people get – but. Uh, I don't know. One time I realized, you know what? January 1st is really just an arbitrary thing. You know, yeah. there's not a whole lot of difference between December 30th, 31st and January 1st and 2nd. They're just different days. So, no, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess I don't do that. Well, I think because we're getting old, so when you're getting older, you don't view New Year's as anything but just another day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another day to get some good sleep. That's how I look at it. <laughs> All right, Bob, let's talk about the um, this craziness selecting the speaker. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it seems less crazy now that it's over. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when it was going on, I think it was just sort of a bad look. You know, the, Dem Dem or the Republicans you know, just recently, you know, seized control of the House so, you know, the whole country's okay, what are we going to do? What are they going to do? And, and, you know, and then to not be able to really nominate a speaker, I thought was, you know, kind of a bad look. It made them look disorganized and, you know, fragmented. Well, the fragmentation of the Republican Party seemed to be consistent now that we see on the federal level in Congress and, and also on the local level. Um, I know that there was some back and forth between you and some of the people on social media saying some people say, oh, this is great. You know, Kevin McCarthy is a rhino. Don't trust him. And um, they were uh, applauding the 20 people, the 20 holdouts. And they're still at the end of six voter presence. And, and I know you and I have a very different opinion that we, we agreed on what our perspective is. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what? We discussed and sure, um, but I, I mean, you know, as it was happening, it bothered me because you didn't know how long this was going to drag out, mm -hmm. and you know, it just looked good. But then once it did get taken care of, it seemed like a less of a big deal to me, and 
you know, it, it's fine, I think, for members of the House to want to negotiate before they vote for a speaker and get him to commit to certain issues and, and things like that. But uh, I, I do think it's indicative of sort of the fragmentation of the Republican Party. I mean, there's a piece in the um, Wall Street Journal today. It's pretty good. It's called The Disorganized GOP and Other Signs of the Great Inversion. And by inversion, they're looking at some of the characteristics of the current Republican Party, which actually used to be the way the Democrats were and vice versa. And as far as this disorganization, they were pointing out back, I don't know, decade or so ago, how the progressives within the Democrat Party, they were very fragmented and the Republicans were you know, very aligned, very coordinated, strategic. And that's certainly flipped. I mean, you know, in, in the Republican Party, they have their ideologues, you know, that that seem to focus more on, you know, the Republicans that they don't disagree with than they do the, the Democrats. Yeah. And to, to call, you know, I think we had we talked about this a few shows ago. We need to stop calling people rhinos because you don't hear that yeah. term from the Democrat side, even though internally they will refer some people as dinos, but they don't yeah. <laughs> air that out in public. Um, my thing is, you know, this remind me back when um, in 2016, when Trump was running for office and all the Republicans was running and they were running against Obamacare. That was a big topic. We're, get, we're going to get a Republican president, Republican Congress and Senate. We're going to appeal Obamacare. We're going to put something better in place. Well, they never did put anything better in place. And so they no. talked about it for eight years and they don't have a plan when everything was in place. You have the president, you have the Congress. And so that's kind of so my thinking is like i think whatever the infighting may be and that you know we talked about the squad from the aoc the omar ian omar before the progressive women they came into congress they talked about the green new deal and and at the time everybody was laughing about the green new deal what is she talking about then we don't hear about those squads and then now we see the Democratic Party, the the policy has moved towards that. But no yes. one needs to grant, no one grandstand it for any given time. And they fall yeah, in well, line. The squad did early on. The squad were ideological and very critical of the uh, Democrats and they weren't going to go along. And, you know, but, uh, you know, I, the party worked on them and they've kind of fallen in line because you don't yeah. see it anymore. I mean, the only time they speak negatively, it's of Republicans. They no longer speak negatively of the Democrats, but they did in the beginning. But we don't see that on the Republican side. If they were speaking no. united against the Democrat and just put the sausage making within their house, you know, like, you know, we all know, like, I mean, we have disagreements with our family part, you know, husband and wife all the time, but we don't do that in front of people and argue it mm -hmm. out and have, and I think that that bothered me a lot because yeah, there's a very slim majority that Republican has. And to put that on display was like, who are you trying to impress? So, the, you know, you mentioned the uh, social media discussion that I was having. And, uh, you know, it really goes back to a bigger issue than what happened, you know, over the speaker election. And it's really um, people need to look at the how the party looks from the outside. 
You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. So, and, and especially in Pennsylvania, we're in Pennsylvania, you know, the, the Republicans got, got killed the mm-hmm. last election at a time where they should have won because of the economy and, you know, all the, the historical trends. It should have been a walk, but, uh, yep. you know, so, you know, and, and what the Democrats did successfully was they used, you know, the abortion issue, the January 6th issue, all these things to characterize the Republican Party as extremists, far right mm-hmm. extremists. Now, you know, if you're a Republican, whether you agree with that or not, is kind of not the issue. The issue is that the voters, the average voter who aren't following all these things every day and th- they, they bought it. I mean, they, right. they, that's the perception that they have. Yeah. So it's it's now the a burden on the Republican Party to overcome that perception. Yes. Now, I don't you know, you don't sit there and just talk about all the things that your opponent says about you. Um, but I think you have to live it. I think you have mm-hmm. to conduct yourself in a way that counters that argument. Right. No, I mean, yes, it does. It, you're absolutely right. It's what the public perception is. And I don't think certain fraction Republicans understand that. Um, and you can't get anything done, you know, without winning election and getting the majority of the legislature, regardless of what you do. So we can sit and complain about it all the time, but there's no clear plan of how to win the election and pushing the conservative agenda. If you're not going to mm-hmm. win the election, you can sit there, you can do whatever you wanted to do. There's no way of right. getting around that, you know? You know, so. and someone pointed out how, you know, they didn't have that problem in Florida. Um, you know, Florida, I think, is, you know, more leans Republican than Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania, they call it purple, but it tends to be more blue. Yes. Um, but also, I think, uh, you know, it just speaks to the effectiveness of Ron DeSantis and how he presents himself, how he addresses his critics. Um, you know, he doesn't compromise on his principles, but he presents himself in such a way that he's credible and reasonable and sane. Um, and, you know, so I think, it, you know, there's none of that really in the national party right now. I mean, I, you know, who's so Trump's supposed to be the leader. And unfortunately, you know, I, I realized in the fourth year of Trump's president, he, you know, he just doesn't have that shrewdness about him. He doesn't have that calculated ability to set himself aside and, you know, think about the problem. And, you know, I mean, he basically used the media during his campaign and for the first three years. I mean, he beat them. But in the end, they, they overcame it and, and beat him. And I, I don't think he's been able to flip it back around because he just always focused on himself. Well, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, you and I have talked about this many times, is that in order for him to um, be the leader, a, a good leader has to have a very... Um, you know, uh, uh, discipline, (laughs) discipline is one of them and also needs to have a broader view of what is good for the party, not just what's good for me. And, and, and not have this personal, um, always have this personal agenda of, you know, Oh, it's somebody do me wrong. So now I gotta, um, 
you know, it's almost like a personal vendetta rather than to consider what is good for the whole party. And I think if he would have thought about what's good for the party, he would support one of the younger candidate and not so much running, you know, put his name in there again because he's such a big focus. And he's it's really going to damage more of a Republican brand, I think, than helping it. I think if you yeah. stepped aside, he's he was a great president. Clearly, his policies all worked for America. Um, and that's what DeSantis is. He, he is a Trump-like candidate. He It's all Trump's policy. But then he he does have the shrewdness with him. And then he has a discipline. Yeah. And to communicate, and he's a better communicator. And I think if you go to Florida, you know, they have... A thousand people move into Florida on a daily basis every day mm-hmm. and their real estate has increased 30%. There's jobs everywhere, just a thriving state. Uh, Compare that to California per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't take much to, you know, people from California are moving to states like Texas, Florida and Tennessee and even South Dakota because it's conservative value guiding those states. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the biggest problem with Trump's focus on himself is that he attacks other Republicans. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have the Democrats saying, hey, look at these people. They're all extremists. They're crazy. They're this. And, you know, he he comes out and, you know, says crazy things. And, you know, he if if anyone crosses him or he doesn't agree with them, it's it's you know, it's all about him insulting them. So, you right. know, like when he endorses a, it seems to me when he endorses a candidate, what his end goal is really to be able to say, look, I, I endorsed the right person. He won. That's what right. it feels like to me. I feel like he just wants to show that, look at me, I'm the man. I endorsed him and he got elected. Yes. I, I, you know, it's not about the party and everything. It's just about him. It's always elevating. And, and I think as a leader, you know, if that's what your end goal is, it's very, you know, people eventually going to see it and they just going to, yeah. you know, I think more and more people are leaving Trump. Of course, there's still that small fraction, you know, Trump can do no wrong. Um, but at the same time, it's, that that just it's getting a little, you know, tough to kind of go do that. So, yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with us. Oh, yeah. So well, I had another discussion. I was having another line of discussion with some folks this week, and it was uh, it was about the vaccine. And I don't okay. want to get into the you know the vaccine thing, but you know I was explaining things like you know like like a medical treatment, um, risk reward, you know, cost benefit. So you know, an older person, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old, much greater risk of the virus less risk in the, you know, from what we've seen, less risk of the vaccine, young people, less risk of the virus, more risk. Of the... So anyway, we were going back and forth and, and, and it got to a point where I realized that it was wasting my time because he didn't see any redeeming value in the vaccine at all. I mean, it's, it's like he sees it as just all bad, like, like a conspiracy or something. And, you know, so, there was really no way we could sort of connect. And I feel like some of the folks that are really still stuck on, you know, the election of 2020 and some of those issues, you know, you can't get them to say, let's not stop tearing the party apart, this and that, because in their mind, you know, there's this big 
problem in our government that, you know, our their their guy was cheated out of an election. So the democracy, so nothing matters anymore if we're not going to win election. So you really can't talk to other issues with them because to them that foundational issue is, you know, trumps everything. Yeah, and and if it were but, true, if it were true, that would be a good. But I, I, I'm even whether it's true or not, I like to look at things a little more pragmatically and say, you know, to what benefit are we dividing and fighting and everything else? How you're, how is that going to undo what happened in 2020? And how does that help anyone? I don't. I, I just don't get it. Well, you know, and to and to the people that. Um, you discuss a vaccine with, and I just want to say the vaccine came out when Trump was in office, right? He's the right. one that pushed on the vaccine, said we need this yeah. vaccination out, and and we need to, yeah. So, well, that the, that puts a that's a big challenge to the, you know, uh, uh, what is it, deep state, uh, you know, conspiracy. You know, they're it's but it's you know my thing is what why why would they do a a, a vaccine that doesn't work? Number one. If they want to, if it's to make money, if it's to make money, then just put a placebo out there, mandate everybody take it. So there's no harm done, but you get to make your money or, you know, so if it's if if they see the vaccine as nothing but harmful with that being the intent, well, it's it's got to be some kind of a population control. They're trying to kill us, you know, sort of a and and. The, one of the big problems with that theory is Trump was there from the very beginning, and he was Mr. You know, anti-swamp, anti-deep state, and all that. And he still supports the vaccine. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, the vaccine was came out, and I, the problem became when everybody started to really go against the vaccine is when they mandated it. When they mandated mm-hmm. the vaccine and there was no study came out, I think the people that's anti-vax, uh, anti-COVID vaccine has a point because it does not have a lot of study and, you know, oh, they sure. should not force kids to take it. But people there have comorbidity and people mm-hmm. have have problems. The vaccine seemed to help, especially people older than 60. Um, the, you know, the CDC, the FDA... For people to trust them, they need to be transparent and they need to yes. provide us with information. So they should have provided yeah. honest information. Nobody explained what was different about EUA and, you know, full approval for the FD, you know, the emergency use authorization. I looked it up. I figured it out, you mm-hmm. know, but it, the way they handled themselves, trying to control information, not explaining why certain critics were wrong, but just saying, well, they're, you know, they're bad people, you know, they're misinformation, using the media to do it, it, everything they did just reinforced the suspicion. So to your point, I think everybody should be free to decide, but they should be able to make an, uh, an informed, educated decision. There's just not enough information out there. They are hiding. And the Twitter file is putting out a lot of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as the uh, the vaccination, uh, you know, how right. they're, you know, uh, suppressing people on Twitter. And also, if you remember, they were suppressing uh, pills like Avermectin and also hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. because Trump said it. So, of course, it's wrong. 
And it's no different than the policy right now. They're trying to push on the border, right? Because Trump said build right. a wall, then that's wrong. Trump said remain in Mexico, then that's wrong. The results of that, we have 5 million people, migrants here. Um, I, I post a statistic on our Facebook page. And because the last time you mentioned the border, you talked about this woman said there's no different between now and Trump was in office. And I just wanted to... This picture, I. That was I, a never Trump local Republican who told me that. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say so if you look at the border in 2020, okay, we have border encounter and El Paso was 54,396 people. That's right. 2020. 2021, 193,918. So it's a. It, it's like a four times increase. 2022, just in El Paso alone, 307,844. And just this year, right. I mean, we're not even in January. We, we haven't even done in January. We're talking January 10th. This picture, was, this statistic was taken two days ago. Eight days yep. into January, El Paso border encounter, 168,000. 168,000 mm -hmm. people. If we have encountered 168,000 within the first eight days of a new year, can you just imagine how many people? If this is an well, invasion. That, I think the 168 is fiscal year, isn't it? Does it have an FY fiscal in front year, of it? October, no, yeah, okay, so that's yeah, October. Year, so it's three months. Okay, but it's still. A, it's three, one, no, yeah, it's still. Three months, <laughs> 718,000. In right. three months, physical. In three months, which is all, oh, was it almost half or more than half of last year? Right. So, so they're on track to double, and that assumes that it doesn't increase. <laughs> so, by the end of Biden administration, we will have over close to twenty million people coming through the right. border. That's See, an invasion. I mean, you know, for the I, I, when this woman said this, I just abandon the conversation because I just thought that's just such a uh, outrageous thing to say. It's not hard at all to just Google and say how many people you get, you know, Border Patrol, that those sites that'll tell you the numbers. It's, it's public. It's widely known. And, right. I, you know, where did she get this idea? She had to get it from someone else. She didn't just make it up. And now, was it a news commentator who was spinning things around saying it's the same thing? Or was it just some anonymous person on social media? I don't know. But that's misinformation that's on the left. Yep. And, you know, she believed it because she wanted to, because she hated Trump. Yeah. Yeah, that, that just... Uh... Yeah, so you know, I, I think the 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 two extreme ideas in this country is really not helping. No. You know, the the extreme right and the extreme left because nobody want to come to the middle and really talk because no sides can be right, mm -hmm. and I think that's a that's a big problem. You know. So well, you know, I'm conservative, and I would love nothing more than to agree with everything. You know, it makes life easier. <laughs> You know, and, but I, I just can't. I mean, you know, my background and, you know, like you said, the information is not out there and you are correct. But 
you know, we're locked down from the very beginning because of my background, technology, engineering, management. I, I researched all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, when someone was saying the vaccines do X, Y, and Z, I didn't just look for someone to disagree with that. I looked for how does a vaccine work? And I looked for information that predated COVID. And then, okay, so how does a virus work? How does a virus spread in your body? How does it cause illness? So, you know, I went back to the very beginning to try to sort through the conflicting information. So what I was looking for was sort of a technical engineering understanding of the mechanism. And, you know, I wasn't always right. I mean, the immune system, every time I thought I understood the immune system, something else was said. So it's a very complicated thing. There are a lot of aspects to it. And a lot of the information you go, they go, here's how it works. Boom, boom, boom. That's not the complete story. So I did learn that along the way. But uh, I remember before COVID, there was a documentary on Prime and talked about virus and um, how our body is made up with all these bacteria and viruses. How does virus work? Now, I don't know what's conspiracy or not, but when COVID happened, I can no longer find that documentary. (laughs) That was interesting. I mean. You know, the other thing, so I was in, you know, engineering technology, but I was also in senior management, you know, monitoring metrics and making decisions and things. And, you know, so people are using the VERS database. Now, the Mm -hmm. VERS database has some value, okay, but it's not 100% conclusive. So people are finding these big numbers of, you know, adverse incidents and claiming that that proves something. And, they just need to understand an open, uncontrolled database. You really can't do that. You have to scrub the data. So what the FDA uses that and the CDC use that database for, they look at it as like an early warning. Okay, we're seeing some myocarditis in young people. Then they they look for all those records that are in the database, and then they start scrubbing them. They look for the complete information. They look, you know, they'll contact the people that submitted those records to get more health information, you know, more medical information to try to figure out what are the what's the real problem and which aren't a real problem. And, you know, they did. They discovered that with uh, the young people and they halted the vaccine for a period. And they, they did it with Johnson and Johnson. They halted the Johnson and Johnson for women. They said, don't women don't because of the blood clots. Now, well, I, and I know they addressed that. younger people with the mRNA vaccine by lowering the dosage, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, but I don't know what they ever did with Johnson & Johnson. As far they, as I know, they took no that off the women. market. Johnson & Johnson is off the market. You can't get Oh, is it? Out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they never even made it back on. So, again, the theory that they're ignoring all this stuff, you know, I'm not saying that I can prove absolutely that everything these people say is wrong. I'm just saying I could see other explanations and I could see a possibility just just because you have a verse database that's, that shows something, it's not necessarily right. That's all I'm saying. It's not, I'm not saying it's definitely wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, the problem is, and I don't, I try not to do this. People, what they see what they want to see. So if they believe, if they commit to a, a a thing on the vaccine, then they want those negative data things to be right. So they look for all the information to prove that it's right. And I, I try not to do that. I just look for the the truth. I mean, I, I saw a woman on social media say that um, there's no way Damar Hamlin 
had cardiac arrest because of the hit, because for him to have it, it would have broken his sternum. And he would have never been able to stand up and then fall down if that's what happened. And that's just totally false. It's totally ignorant. And, and I find that a lot of times. When, anytime people say there's no way, it's usually wrong. <laughs> the increase of all these um, young people with heart conditions now, I think, is causing questions whether the vaccination did something with this. So in order to do that, we really have to see that every young athlete that's collapsing on the field, are they all vaccinated? If they are, how many vaccination has they gotten? I highly, highly doubt we are going to get that information. I would love to know is Darmar Hamlin gotten vaccinated and how many vaccin how many COVID vaccination they have, have gotten. Now another thing this well, happened. So we're gonna talk about the vaccine then. I could see it. No, you, no, you, you Darmar, I'm there. talking about Darmar Hamlin. Here's another thing. I don't know if here, you remember. Here, can I can I speak to the young people dying? Yeah, go ahead. OK, um, there's a term for, you know, you, I, I forget the term, but the uh, phenomenon, let's say you buy a, a Toyota Camry car. Mm -hmm. OK, it's blue. Suddenly, when you, let's say you're waiting for your wife or your husband to pick you up. Suddenly, it's like you see these blue Toyota Camrys all over the place. It's like because you bought one, it seems like everybody else ran out and bought one. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is they were there all along. You just weren't paying attention to it. The blue Camry was not a significant thing in your life. As soon as it became a significant thing, you saw it. Mm -hmm. So your conclusion that they seems like everybody, for some reason, is now buying these is wrong. It was always there. So um, I did find data on young people, cardiac arrest, heart attack, and there's actually an alarming number that was happening even before this. Now, you could argue that it's increased. So, you know, I, I would have that discussion of whether it's increased. But, you know, the world is how many? Three billion, seven billion people? Seven I mean, billion. you know, a thousand is like zero. You know, 10,000 is like zero. So, you know, when you're talking about the probability of things happening, when you've got, you know, 7 billion people, you know, yeah, it's been happening. And, you know, so has it increased? I don't know. Maybe it has. But I think people face it. They go, I, I see the post. It's like, this guy was only 25 years old. This should never happen. That's a false statement. It does happen. And Damar Hamlin, there's a condition, commotio cordis. If you look it up, it says the, it's, a, it's, it's caused by one thing. It's caused by a hit to the chest at just the right time in the heartbeat. So it has to be a very hard hit to the chest. And if it happens to hit just at the right time in the heart rhythm, it can, cause the, it can disrupt the heart rhythm and cause the heart to stop. And there's no pre-existing conditions or anything to check that. The funny thing is I found that because Robert Malone tweeted out that he was an athlete. There was definitely pre-existing indicators. If, if he had had those, they would have known it. So it can't be commotio cordis. Someone challenged it. He posted a link. I went to his link. The link that he posted literally says there's only one cause for commotio cordis and there's no way to detect it in, up front. He didn't even read what he posted. He huh. didn't read it carefully. So, I mean, 
again, I'm not saying I know or that, that, you know, there's not a problem with heart attacks in young people. But, you know, if people say this never happened before, that's a false statement. Okay, so the question is, how often does it happen? And, you know. I'm I'm a scientist. I mean, I'm an engineer. If someone when, when Demar Hamlin that happened to him, and people start tweeting right away that that proves that the vaccine's a problem, there is nothing scientific or logical about that whatsoever. That is completely 100 percent people seeing what they want to see. They want the evidence to prove that they're right, and they see it because they just assume. I mean, you know. <laughs> And, and to me, if you pick even a, a case like that, a high-profile case, and you stake your, your position on it, to me, it undermines everything. You need to investigate. You need to understand that as human beings, you want to see something, you're going to see it, okay? So in order to accurately review data and to accurately use your logic, you have to set aside that bias, and you have to be open-minded to the fact that DeMar Hamlin may not have been vaccine-related. And if he's not, for me to jump out and say it only only undermines my position. That's what I said. I think for every person that collapsed <laughs> on the field, that's an athlete or a young person, and recently they just posted a reporter that wasn't feeling right. I think we have to question what happened. Right? Did you drink too much the, the, the day? One of the things I attribute this. We need we out. need to look at the 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 number of increases. Right. You know, the, and and there are other causations too. So. I remember years ago, this was probably almost 20 years ago, when Red Bull hit, hit the market here in the United States, people are drinking energy drinks. At that time, I said to my husband, I said, you're going to see a lot of young people start having heart attacks. I attribute, you know, um, just by experiencing drinking an energy drink myself, because I figure I'll take one. I think that was the first and last one I will ever drink this energy drink because it made my heart race. I feel like I was mm -hmm. having a panic attack. And, you know, you got these high energy drink, five hour energy drink. Then people were drinking vodka and Red Bull, you know, mixing alcohol and Red Bull. And, and I think if you go back to that data, when the energy drinks start hitting the market, United States, I believe that's when there's an increase in, um, young people having heart attack or having heart conditions and also I mean, it's possible what we need I to do is to, i mean i think covid vaccine does cause myocarditis there should probably should have some well it's it's well known I right mean, that's a fact it's on be, it's on the pfizer website as they, a side they need effect to come out they need to come but, out and be more but, transparent about it here, here's another problem well they added it by the way they added it after you know they were seeing it in the young people so, you know, I'm not saying they had myocarditis as a side effect from the very beginning. It's the FDA that had them, had them put it on there. But um, when I first heard about the myocarditis, I was very alarmed. I'm like, this. I had never heard of myocarditis before. Me either. So to me, this was something too. unique right. to the COVID vaccine. Well, if you Google myocarditis, you know, the um, most common cause of myocarditis is a viral infection. So uh, COVID virus, influenza causes myocarditis or can cause myocarditis. And so when you have a vaccine, and, and here's my, you know, layman's understanding. If you have a vaccine that's supposed to train your immune system to 
what the virus looks like, then there's always that chance that there's going to be side effects that would be what the virus does. Um, you know, myocarditis is inflammation. Inflammation is generally an immune response. So whether you put a vaccine in there that's generating the immune response or, you know, the actual virus. Now, they're supposed to test it and make sure that the vaccine doesn't do that. But they found out it was doing it and they found it in young people. So, yeah, absolutely. The vaccine can cause myocarditis, but so can COVID, so can flu shots and so can the flu. That's reason I never but, took the flu shot. So. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, okay? I'm still all I'm saying is you got to it seems real scary when you don't know what myocarditis is and you think that it's only related to the COVID vaccine. That feels I think scary. to any parents is kind of scary. You know, if you you have a young kid like my child, oh. I never gave him any flu shots and, right. and he's healthy. So why would I want to put anything in his body that would cause issues that he doesn't have it uh, right now? So well, but, I haven't been sharing my opinion on the vaccines, but since, you know, I mean, people are going to label me because of what I say. So I'm going to say I'm going to share it right now. The vaccine, <laughs> the vaccines work. OK, the vaccines do have value. They have the most value in people that are older or people that have those, um, you know, comorbidities. comorbidities. Yeah. OK, now the young people are at much lower risk for the virus, okay? Their immune systems can can stop it in most, now, can people get sick? Yes, I happen to know a mother whose newborn baby had the multi-inflammatory syndrome thing, and that was extremely scary. And to her, you know, everybody should get the vaccine for their baby because her baby was affected by the uh, COVID virus, but mm -hmm. that's a very small number. So higher risk of the virus or of the vaccine, lower risk of the virus. Personally, I don't think young people should get it. That's my opinion. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. But, um, you know, my grandchildren are not getting it. When my daughter was hesitant to have them get all the childhood vaccines, I was the other. I convinced her to, let, to get them. You know, so she got them all vaccinated, you know, with, with my help to influence, but I'm totally opposite with the kids on the COVID vaccine. I don't see the the benefit, so why take the risk? When why we, take and when the we risk? know it's a greater risk. So, you know, that's it. If you're if you're older, you're at higher risk of the virus. Then now the other thing is I would be careful about how many boosters you get because I've seen some studies. I'm not I don't think it's conclusive yet, but you know, they're saying that there's a chance the more boosters you get, the um the more you're, uh, what do they call it, um, targeted, it's almost like your immune system targets the vaccine so much that it misses the actual virus. I yeah. forget what they call it, imprinting, immune okay. imprinting. So we got to watch out for that. So I, I don't know, you know, but again, I think our government should be providing transparent information so that people can make an informed decision about the virus. Any other medical treatment, they tell you the risks. Well, I, I, I'm very skeptical with the American um, pharmaceutical medical system because I think a healthy person is not profitable. Oh, um, yeah. They, they have to create patients, long-term patients or, you know, and uh, we talked about this in education where every behavior have a symptom, mm -hmm. you know, being labeled and every kid gets a pill for that behavior. Oh, Eventually, yeah. they're, they nope. have all these psychological pills and having all these side effects. And then you when just when you have people 
when you have people that will get extremely wealthy and a company that will get extremely wealthy by making weapons a war, they're happy when war happens. When yep. when a pharmaceutical company has a cure, they're happy. I'm sorry. You, you know, there's an element of that. And yeah. that's why the CDC and the FDA and the government organizations are supposed to be the check and balance to that. Right. And I feel like that, you know, that barrier was broken down during COVID and we've, we've got to rebuild it. So because of that financial incentive to the private company, that's why we need the government agencies to be trustworthy and, well, and how are they know, trustworthy to be the gatekeepers, when, if you will. When, when majority of our legislature are funded by the pharmaceutical company, you know, that's how they get elected. So, I mean, how do you, you know, when yeah, every kid yeah, has a lot a of conflicts, huh? A lot of conflicts. Yeah. So um, the reason I want to talk about Dharma Hamlin, I want to talk about the prayers on the field. Oh, we, absolutely. We went from um, Tim Tebow, you mentioned earlier when you interviewed the uh, pastor Walker, getting mocked for praying on the field. Now we have a whole team of football players gathering before the game to pray on the field. And then I remember when uh, the high school coach got fired because he wanted to pray just by himself. He wasn't bothering anybody. He was praying and they fired him. And now we have, and then in Britain, just recently, this woman standing by herself quietly praying and she was escorted out by police as if she did a crime. Yeah, something about making someone uncomfortable. Right. I think she was praying outside of the abortion clinic or something or across the right. street from it actually across the street from abortion clinic she was praying and she was being silently silently <laughs> yes yeah, <she> <laughs> that's kind of like thinking you're not yeah. allowed to think <laughs> right so that was pretty scary but now seeing young football players come together praying prior to the game maybe god mm -hmm. is transformed in so many ways right that was such an immediate transformation. Uh, if sports is such a big influence to young people and they're yep. seeing these young athletes coming together and hopefully we're having, you know, there's some kind of change in the air. That's something that happens. I think that's a miracle by itself because human beings certainly are not able to make that happen. Maybe God did, um, you know, put Darmar Hamlin in place mm -hmm. Um, to, uh, well, to do you, do you know why there's no mocking of those players dealing? I mean, of course, there's, you know, it's a serious situation. Someone almost died, but because they're African, African American. I mean, it's the left, you know, it's the woke mindset. Those are the people that normally attack and mock prayer and Christians. It's not, you know, conservative. So Tim Tebow was getting mocked by the left and people on ESPN and things like that. But because these players are 90% plus black, they're not criticizing them. They're, in fact, there was one, and I think it was an ex-player, um, that did a live prayer, a Christian prayer on, on, he didn't say Jesus' name, but it was clearly a Christian prayer on air, live on air at the desk. So, you know, to me, the, the, you know, the NFL, so people, the NFL came under criticism from conservatives over the national anthem thing. I personally didn't, you know, I didn't like it in the beginning, but I never turned against the NFL because I believe they were doing it because it's what the black people cared about. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, you know, there's a different culture. You know, what, what, I mean, you know, we could talk about colorblindness, but 
you know, black people have a different experience, a different life, a different culture than white people. And they, you know, to them, that was important. And the NFL was being tolerant of it. And that's why the NFL, I believe, is also toler so tolerant of expressions of Christianity. And, it, you know, because a large portion of the players, the, a large portion of African-Americans are, you know, strong Christians. So well, and I, know, that's I what I said. they're having an influence. Well, if I feel like if that's the influence that will bring on to all the young people to see, regardless whether it's the African-American community, what player. Right. And I still think that's a miracle of itself. To me, it's done. Yeah. By, only God can I make that happen. I just want to give credit happen. where credit's due. Yeah, only God <laughs> To the God NFL and to the African-American community. Right. And I, if that's a, that's a turning point we need, that's what we need, then I, I still feel strongly. I think only God can make that happen. If it happens, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, which is I mean, I agree with you. There was a lot of benefits to decades ago when, you know, expressions of faith were more mainstream and, and acceptable. Absolutely. Um, you know, people will say, yeah, but then you were forcing it on people and you had a moral standard, this and that. But that's what everybody's doing now anyway. Whether, you know, it's race, anti-racism or environmentalism or whatever, you know, you're, you either believe what we believe or you're one of the bad people. So, you know, they're doing it with everything else. Christianity is actually way more inclusive. I mean, you oh, know, sure. um, and, and I remember, I mean, we both attend the same church and we have the same pastor. And I remember Kurt, you know, our pastor, Kurt Bjorklin, at one point said, we as human, we can judge other people. That's God's job. Mm -hmm. So whether whatever the Bible says, that's God's word. But we as human, we are sinners. We cannot judge other people. You know, we can say that's right and wrong. Do we want to get involved? Don't want to get involved. But at the same time, we know we can't. We're not the ultimate judge here. So, yeah. Well, we're coming to a wrap. I just want to quickly mention Prince Harry. I still have not what read anything or watched the show. What a mess! <laughs> he went on the. Uh, he wrote a book, apparently called Spare. And you know, here's the thing: if you leave the royal family because you claim you want privacy, then respect your own privacy. You don't want privacy when you produce a docu series on Netflix. That's fine. Now he writes a book and pretty much air out these dirty laundries of his private life, of his family's private life. And I think more and more, the people in Britain are feeling sorry for the royal family, for this guy that's out there just, you know, putting himself out there, telling people how much Afghan people he killed, telling people how he's involved with drugs. And telling his father, do not marry Kamala, just be with her, but don't marry her. I mean, come on, just like, do you want privacy or don't you want privacy? So he, they don't want to be with the royal family. But the only reason they're making millions of dollars right now is because he's tied to the royal family. Right. Well, I, I was yeah, right for it. Um, you know, so apparently in response to this... Uh, statement about killing Afghanis, the Taliban made some statement 
somebody from the Taliban, but it was like mocking Harry. It wasn't like they even took it seriously. It was kind of funny. Well, yeah, I mean, he, you know, when he, him and Meghan uh, Markle left the royal family and said, hey, we want our privacy and, you know, we this and that, I think they gained a lot of sympathy from people. Um, but I think the more they do, they're really overplaying it. And I think they're losing support. And eventually when that celebritism gets lost, they're going to find themselves financially very unindependent. Right now, they because of the royal family, because their title, they're able to profit from it. Sure. And they still have a lot of people that, you know, American celebrity and still give them a lot of sympathy. But as they overplaying their cards, you know, they have to maintain this luxury lifestyle. So how long is this going to last for them? I think they're really making a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, you're right. it's kind of like the pharmaceutical companies, right? It's all about money. So come up with a scandal. I mean, you saw how many books were written about Trump. People left the White House and then wrote a book, you know, saying crazy things. They knew tons of people would buy it. Right. <laughs> well, he, he this is his first book, but I have a feeling he's not going to get a second book. You know, I don't know. He's supposed to have a second book. I don't know how popular it's going to be because... He is, they're already losing the public. They're losing the sympathy. They're eventually they're going to turn into this joke. And they're not really doing their kids any favors. You know, she, she left her family. Now he loved his oh, family. Oh, do they have kids? I didn't know they had kids. Oh, that's right. They do. I remember. They have yeah. two kids. Yep. They have two kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, there was that brown baby thing that they were. Yeah. Talking about. And then yeah. they also, uh, Apparently, no one's in the uh, you know royal families talking to them. They only talk to them with the attorneys because nobody can trust them. I mean, Jesus, this is like just getting. Yeah. I mean, and they could have done so much, you know, as far as for the family or for for the for Britain for good of the humanity, but now it's getting very clear that they're just, you know, selfish and. Um, just terrible it turn turn a good thing into a terrible thing but that's all i have to say sure well i just want to thank you sherry it's been great talking to you today and uh hopefully other people get some enjoyment out of it yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully well happy new year and then we'll be back again